Welcome to episode 22 of MADE, the podcast about purpose-driven design, making, and manufacturing. Today we're going to talk about our experience at World Maker Faire. Let's continue the conversation. Welcome back everyone to MADE. With me as always is Claudia Bergen. Hello. Ray Peña. How you doing? And I am Jose Valcarso. Uh, so we are back home after a weekend in New York City. Yep. You haven't been to New York City in a long time. Exactly 30 years. 30 years, yeah. Yeah, yeah we, we were there last year, but yeah, 30 years. Uh, I mean, I don't want to get too much into your personal business, but you, you lived there for about a year and a half. Basically. Yeah, I lived yeah. there about a year and a half. In fact, uh, the the Maker Fair we attended was for less than five miles where I used to live. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I took you guys there. Mm-hmm. It was a, a lovely neighborhood right next to LaGuardia Airport and Rikers Island. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I will say that it's definitely a nicer neighborhood than when I was there. It was quite mm-hmm. rough when I was there. The same as you would expect, being next to a prison and an airport. Yeah, that's yeah. that's exactly whatever you're thinking. That's how it was. <laughs> yeah. yeah, good slice of pizza was it? Rocco's was it? Rocco's it? Pizza, yeah. yeah. Uh, that was really the first good. New York pizza I had when I when I went to New York. It was right there. Right there. Yeah, yeah. it's still really good. Yeah, so thirty years later, the place is still there. I'm, so. I was surprised. Yeah, I really thought it'd be gone by then. Yeah. That's such a great thing. You know, oh, I like the, to be able to do that. And the candy store. What did you think yes. of the candy store? The candy store. <laughs> you keep calling it the candy store, but for so if anybody goes and finds Rocco's and goes to this neighborhood, he's it's called the newsstand or something, but it yeah. is just sort of like a big candy. Uh, the, yeah, I don't even know how to just, present it. It's mostly a candy store. Yeah, if you're like yeah. a seven-year-old, this is heaven for you. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely. Well, the thing I liked about it, it's not like the candy store you see at a mall. Where, no. like, everything is in a glass container, and no, no, you no, have no. little bags, and you <laughs> scoop them into That's not what this was. This was, like, like a candy. corner store, yeah. yeah like a corner like store, you, yeah. but most of it was candy, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like, you know, you save your, you know, like, your, your money that you that you earn by taking out the, the trash and stuff like that, and then you're like, okay, I'm going to go buy myself some stuff there. Yeah. And you have a great variety, of, you know, like, mm-hmm. an assortment of all kinds of goodies. Yeah. Now we didn't. Even though it's called the newsstand, we didn't see any newspapers in there. But no. I will, I will tell you, my childhood, they did have uh, several newspapers from all over uh, there. I don't know what happened in that thirty-year interim. <laughs> well, the the internet happened. Yeah, I guess that's <laughs> and what happened. Tablets and yeah, and newspapers going out of business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, so it was a good weekend in New York and a and a good Maker Fair. So. Uh, you guys stayed a little longer after we Colin and I came back. But, yes, uh, we uh, we went yeah. to the Metropolitan Museum on nice. Sunday. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice! Yeah, we only saw I would say maybe ten percent of the museum. I, I didn't realize just how humongous. Yeah, it's big. That mm-hmm. was, and uh, I'm glad I did because I got some great new ideas for new projects. Uh, you know, got inspired by some of the artwork there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's funny because they had. Uh, uh, Niemeyer's uh, tea tea set. Uh-huh. Not sure really? if you remember that. They, yeah, Niemeyer's tea set. And I saw it from a distance and I'm like, wow, that kind of looks like Niemeyer's work. It reminded me of Brasilia right you know right away. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, I went over there, and sure enough, it was Niemeyer's work. And, and uh, nice. clearly, clearly, I mean, there was no guessing about it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you know the, uh, if you remember the gold-plated globe teapot and the yeah, yeah they had that there, and it kind of was very interesting. That's a very oh, interesting cool. pieces that uh, I think were a good source of inspiration. Mm-hmm. Well, it's cool. That's uh, one of the few museums that I haven't really gone through when I've been in New York. I've been in the lobby only. Oh, of really? The, yeah. Um, yeah, because I, it takes so long to go through it. And when I was there, like, I like to go to New York and I just like to wander around the city. Yeah. That's what so, Jen did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she yeah. regretted it the next day. She regretted it. Her, yeah. feet her feet and ankles and legs. Yeah. And... <laughs> yeah. yeah. We were by the Flatiron. We went to the Flatiron District, mm-hmm. which I love that building. It was just. Yeah. And I'm so glad. Like now they have um, every little corner. You know, the, the, the triangle parks that are, are created when there's inter- diagonal roads intersecting the grid. Um, they made all those, um, like, little sitting areas. So you actually have a... The cars are not going through as much. It's very, mm-hmm. like, limited in cars. So it features the building a lot more. Now there's more tourists around, you know, like, walking around, and that's kind of annoying because that's just just as bad as the cars but um it was just it was great seeing the the, the, the building just being featured so great and then, yeah yeah cool <laughs> no i love new york i could talk about new york the whole episode but uh but we need to get the world maker fair instead um, <laughs> so let's uh let's jump right in i think and talk about world maker fair All right, well, let's talk about our main topic, which is World Maker Fair up in New York City. It was, of course, at the at the fairs, the old World Fairgrounds. Um, it's also the in New Queens. York Hall of Science is what it's called. Yeah. So um, I guess let's start with sort of talking about our general uh, impressions of it to begin with. I know, Ray, this is the first time you've been to, you, you were at Silver Spring Maker Fair, which is a much smaller one with us previous week. But uh, this is the first time you've gone to this one. Yes, this is the first time I've attended uh, one of this scale. And uh, I was more impressed with it than, than the uh, Silver Spring. Because uh, obviously the Silver Spring one was, was specifically geared towards children. Uh, but this was definitely geared towards a much bigger audience. Uh, and uh, I would say that maybe even a worldwide audience, hence the name World uh, Maker Fair. <coughs> Yeah, I mean, and it's you know it's clearly one of the larger ones. Um, I've not heard much about the ones that take place in other countries, but I know the the Bay Area one in San Francisco is a pretty large maker fair as well. It's one of the initial ones. Um, what about you, Claudia? What do you think about the World Maker Fair this year? Um, I liked it a lot. It was definitely great. It had uh, almost everything that we we saw last time around when we mm-hmm. went last year. Um, I really like the talks, mm-hmm. too, that they have. I think they did a, even a, a better job at doing the, all of the, the different, the, specifically in the variety of discussion uh, forums that they had. In comparison to last time, last time it was more of a show and tell. Mm-hmm. Um, this time it was actually more discussion mm-hmm. and very topic-oriented, so I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I would say, having had gone last year, it was a little bit repetitive. The part that's different is usually when you get into sort of the big tent where the products are, well, where the, the main products are, you always find, like, a few new products there. Um, but there's a, there's a lot of the same people go to it. Um, and it's funny because a lot of the same people from either other make affairs go to it. We, we saw a couple of people from Silver Spring there and, and whatnot. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think overall it's... I think it's the best one in, well, we had to drive four hours to get there, so I think it's yeah. the best one in the four-hour <laughs> driving radius. Yeah, it's the East Coast. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess I would say it's the East Coast. Regional, uh, yeah. I don't really know of any other major ones in the East Coast. Um, but yeah, well, I guess the, let's talk more specifically, I guess, what was, if you had to point out one thing that you liked best, what what would it be? Well, I think uh, what I, what I enjoyed the most is the the fact that you could have so much interesting new things, and in particular the, the products and the the evolution of all these different types of technological developments. And, and typically, in and what I saw was the miniaturization miniaturization of a lot of industrial um, equipment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fact that it's all in one place, so you can get a lot of absorption of what is becoming available, and the exposure of stuff that is just about to come out. A lot of the things we saw were still under their Kickstarter campaign funding, haven't even been fully realized, uh, and they were just waiting for it to complete before they even go into production. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and some of the units you and I saw together, uh, the only unit available was right there at the show. Yeah. And the one that comes to mind was the uh, the one we covered, I think it was last week we covered it. Um, yes, the it was last week. The, way, the yeah. Wazer, the Wazer. I think it was uh, Wazer, Wazer. I'm not sure yeah. what, how do you pronounce it. But it's interesting to see them there uh, because we, we had talked about them before. I wasn't mm. really expecting to see them. And uh, there they were. And, of course, the only unit in existence was at the show. Right. And uh, for our listeners who are not familiar with that, that was the, uh, the, the desktop water jet. Quite mm-hmm. fascinating. And honestly, when I saw that, I was quite impressed just how small it is. It is it's much smaller in person than you even expect it to be. Right? Yeah, yeah. And having all that power on such a small scale, sitting on your on your desktop, I think is quite impressive. Mm-hmm. And uh, as you know, as you know, and I, I'm sure some of the listeners who've listened uh, to previous episodes know that you know I have a full size water jet, and uh, and it is a. It is quite a machine to keep running all the time. Quite expensive to keep running. Yeah. Uh, it is, but but unbelievably powerful. So to put that kind of power in, in an affordable price in the hands of regular people, I think was uh, quite amazing. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I think the one disappointing thing with the Wazer was that it wasn't running when we were there. I agree. I agree. You know, and yeah, I don't know if it just wasn't running in the show, because it would have been nice to see it, having seen how yours works and. The pressure that you can feel it when it's working. I would have liked to have seen how this one felt as it was working, and we didn't really see it working. Yeah, and you know, I think that might have been on purpose. I'm not sure if it was for safety reasons right. or uh, because they didn't want. It was very clear from the questions we were asking mm-hmm. that there was some information they didn't want to share. Right. Uh, and so I'm not sure if they felt that they had it running, it might give away too much of it before they're campaign is fully realized. Right. So, yeah, which so is, I'm not sure of the reasoning. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess it's a little odd in that sense because they're the only ones I, that I know of at this point that have that size machine. Yeah. So, so they're going to yeah, be the, first to market either way. Yeah, the only other machine that I've seen that's anywhere near that is four foot by four foot. Yeah. And uh, it's in the $125,000 range. So yeah, yeah. So it's, it's not a, a huge departure. Right. Completely yeah. different market. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I think generally I agree with you. Um, I think for me, the, some of the most interesting part is that just sort of that tent where you see the new products, um, the new, yeah, the new products, even some that, like you said, have been in development for years. You know, the Glowforge, the, the, the laser oh, yes. cutter, yep. they're just going to start shipping at the end of the year. They've been, they, they saw in their last, we saw in their last year when they were just sort of off the, off, on the heels of their campaign and they were starting to take pre-orders and, um, and, you know, that still hasn't shipped yet. Yeah, and so. it's funny because if, if uh, any of our listeners are like ourselves, uh, you know, Google really keeps an eye on all the things you're, you're browsing. Mm. And I see advertisements for Glowforge all the time. Yeah. I mean, it, it is interesting how, how mm -hmm. it's just, they pop up, whether I'm on YouTube, those, mm -hmm. those, uh, those YouTube commercials, they pop up as Glowforge. Mm -hmm. Uh, your Facebook page gets Glowforge, so they've had a very aggressive marketing campaign, um, and uh, you know, so I'm surprised that they haven't been able to just put units out. Um, I'm sure they've had some manufacturing hurdles to, to overcome in the last year, but yeah. yeah, they were there, and that was I like to. Uh, it was impressive to see their their product in person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. What about you, Claudia? What are some of the some of your favorite things that you saw there? Um. There are a lot of them. Um, I really like the one. What you guys are mentioning is is was also part of Kickstarter's uh, section, mm -hmm. and they had other several, um, uh, I guess, products that they that they do. Mm -hmm. And I appreciated that it was it was predominantly like Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. um, in that it showed how much how important. Um, crowdfunding has become as part of this movement, right? And how almost without it is it makes things really hard, mm -hmm. and in in its importance. And it's cool how how they featured their specific one. You know, like I I, don't, I wouldn't say they're the most successful ones because they probably have tons of other ones that are very successful. Mm -hmm. But within the maker movement, yeah. and the ones that um, most of us have been talking about from what products that are featured in Kickstarter. Were there, and I mm -hmm. thought that was pretty cool. Um, you were just showing me Mr. Beam as part of one of yeah, them, I guess, I, the laser cutter, right? Yeah, that was one of the ones that I found interesting from that section was the yeah. Mr. Beam, which is another laser cutter. You know, sort of, I guess, sort of a somewhat comp trying to compete with the Glowforge. You know. Yeah, um, I saw them too, but I, yeah. I, they were crowded. I couldn't get a good look at the machine they had. Yeah, I got a chance to talk a little bit with the with their CEO for a second, and you know he was really proud. There, I think there the design, the look of their printer, is sort of a slightly level up from the Glowforge. The Glowforge is clearly very um, utilitarian looking. Yeah, you know it, it almost it almost looks like it could be like a huge printer or something. This thing was trying to sort of was trying to sort of up the <laughs> the look of it a little bit, you know. Um, so I appreciated that. And they are also about to start shipping. So it's going to be interesting because they're going to be shipping sort of at the same time as the Glowforge there. Kickstarter just finished. But they're ready to go into production and to start uh, sending them out. Um, 
they don't. I think they have slightly less functionality than the Glowforge, but you know, it's still a fairly affordable laser cutter. So yeah, yeah. What I liked about it, uh, you know, laser is is a laser is you know basically the same thing. What you're going to change is the uh, the focal length and the mm -hmm. the actual power concentration of the beam. But the package, the like you said, the unit itself is uh, what I like to compare it to is the uh, kind of like the the streamlined design of the of the iPhone package. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it kind of reminds me like the iPhone of uh, of desktop laser beams. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and he was very he was very proud of the industrial design of it. You know. Mm -hmm. uh, the other one that actually, because Claudia brings that up, the other one that was in that section of the Kickstarter section was when the, I know you spoke with the person quite a bit, Ray, is they were 3D printing, um, or they weren't 3D printing, they were printing um, electronic boards. Oh, yes, yeah. Yeah, I forget um, the name of the company, but that was very interesting. Yeah, they were, uh, the name of the company is Volterra. And uh, I got to say, that was the first time I've ever seen anything like that. Yeah, uh, that, that's a company out of uh, out of Canada, mm -hmm. and uh, I was uh, uh, sp speaking to I don't I don't remember her name. Uh, here it is, Katerina. Mm -hmm. I was speaking to Katerina. What was uh, interesting is that this was like a three-in-one machine. Now, obviously, it, it's not going to appeal to everybody, but if you are the type of maker that are is designing your own circuit boards and your own circuits. Um, if you're going to Radio Shack and getting breadboards and, and doing your own electronics and circuitry, this kind of thing would be right up your alley. Mm -hmm. And what it does is it prints the, uh, the, the circuits directly on uh, the, uh, I'm not sure what the material is, that breadboard material looks like a type of fiberglass. Mm -hmm. uh, prints it right on there, and it, it also deposits solder paste. And it's also a hotbed so that you can place your uh, your components, whether they're you know resistors or, or whatever they are, different mm -hmm. electronic components, directly on the board. And the hotbed would actually melt the solder paste and solder it all together. Yeah. So uh, now it's not a huge footprint. I think that the size that it works on is a six by six. But I was I was quite impressed with the resolution of it. It was it's, it printed very tightly printed uh, circuits on a board and mm -hmm. they had it fully functioning yeah. it was running and doing it and uh, I, I was impressed with it I've never seen anything like it uh, for me it's probably not particularly useful but I'm sure that some of our listeners and a lot of people out there would find it uh, particularly useful mm -hmm. yeah I don't remember what they what they cost though you know looking at so much stuff uh, I don't remember what that particular unit costs yeah I don't recall the cost either I, I just was impressed by the functionality of it and and the possibilities, you know, so... Yeah. Yeah. Makes you want to think about circuit boards and circuits. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, how fun. <laughs> Do you have another one? Yeah, Claudia? within that same uh, group, mm -hmm. the one that caught my attention, I didn't get a chance to talk to them that much, and mm -hmm. now that I'm at home and I've been checking their website, I still don't get it as much either. But <laughs> 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 but it was really cool. So mm -hmm. it's um, Gravity Sketch. Mm -hmm. and it was Gravity this... Sketch? I did not see that. They they were you probably saw them because they were doing uh it's a virtual reality three D sketching yeah they probably they saw it right wands you just didn't realize if you had to really like stop and look at them and there were a lot of people around their booth to realize what he was doing yeah I do remember seeing some VR people wearing VR goggles and walking around but I didn't know what it was 
Yeah, and they were de they were basically yeah designing. Mm -hmm. I mean, you just there's it's an app and um mm -hmm. uh, and you see it in the screen, but the the person is actually able to to design and it's usually it's basically drawing through yeah. using these wands, well, right? Sculpting. Sculpting. Mm -hmm. But it's lines. It's not like mm. it's not an actual form or like mm. a, a surface. Mm -hmm. So it's not surface. It's more vectorized almost. Yeah. So you're using <clears throat> lines. That's why I say like three mm. D drawing like 3D almost. Three D sketching. Yeah. Three D sketching. That's why it's gravity sketch. Mm. But they're uh, a Lon a London based uh, group, which is interesting because then you know that brings up the whole world maker fair, right? Yeah. Because you're also bringing in people from um, out of the country, which is great and. Um, they have a patent and you know they were i really i i really would like for us to start talking about more about virtual reality mm -hmm. because kids are are talking about it more um and it's like opened up a whole new like window to what's possible to mm -hmm. them yeah. yeah and it's funny because <laughs> when we were there we talked about that a little bit because there were a couple of virtual reality projects there and uh, I think the thing that's always like I, I the reason why I sort of I keep I keep an arm's reach away from virtual reality is because I remember for us growing up in the nineties, it was sort of like the thing oh VR is coming virtual reality, and it was in the <laughs> yeah. movies and you you see yeah. well, I forget what movie it was where he he puts the reality the goggles and he's spinning in this big circular thing oh uh, lawnmower man lawnmower man yes yeah. <laughs> right and With it Jeff was Fahey, yeah yeah it was such a like that's just never happening. <laughs> <laughs> so now when I see it coming, it, I almost looked at it kind of like when the when three D movies came back. It was like, oh, okay, you're just bringing something back that didn't work out. Yeah. But I think it's for real, and and we we I think I agree with you. We need to look at it more. Yeah, when it's interactive like this, because yeah. to me, you know, there's a you're right. It is it is very much like you know like a three D movie, right? Mm -hmm. Last last year, Google had their box, their three their their VR box. I don't know whatever it's, it's called. Oh, uh, cardboard. cardboard. The cardboard, yeah. right? Yeah, and that was interesting. I thought it was mm -hmm. pretty cool that the fact that you could do that. Um, so that that whole experience was nice, but this time around, it was yeah, like being able to have those wands and mm -hmm. sketch it. Like for me, as as a as a designer, it it really caught caught my eye but you know i'm wondering if it's a it's a little bit of a generational thing because uh, <laughs> while while i can see it being interesting to some people i myself don't find it that interesting mm -hmm. uh and it, it and i think it just might be generational uh you know you you say you grew up in the 80s in the 90s i grew up in the 80s <laughs> yeah. oh my gosh and, you're not that yeah old. and i remember you know uh, learning to program in basic mm -hmm. on the uh the apple II. So uh, you know when I when I think back, that's how far back. And on a Tandy, uh, I think my first computer that I ever worked on was a TRS-80. So it's very very, you know, way 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 back. So the idea of using virtual reality for anything practical, I think personally, I'm a little too disconnected because, uh, you know, too firmly tied into uh, first uh, coding. You know, actually when you actually had to type code and machine code, and you might remember those days when you used uh, DOS commands, yeah. which is now almost, you know, almost gone away completely unless you're an IT guy. Uh, so the idea of using virtual reality for something practical, I think I personally am just too, so far away from it. Well, I, mean, uh, I understand that because I think yeah. so much of virtual reality right now, what's in the foreground is sort of entertainment-based. Yes. And it was even back in the 90s when people were first starting to think about it, you know? 
it was so much entertainment based. But this is a tool that's actually for designing, you know, where because I mean, I think if you go to the website, you see a guy trying to design a car with it, right, or doing a three D model, basically. So and you're I'm, right, you know. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I had a really good experience with with the VR part. N- not not so much the actual technology; it's just the the possibilities. I had a I was at a um, at a meeting, a community meeting, and it was about zoning mm-hmm. here in DC. And there was mm-hmm. a one kid, and there was only one kid there. Though he was thirteen, and um, one of the things that you know everybody's saying, oh, we need more more people at the table because we were doing you know looking at the the zoning in DC. And I was like, we need, we need teenagers, we need youth here. Mm-hmm. Youth need to also have a say on what, what zoning, and they need to learn about, you know, like zoning and participate in the process. And, um, you know, he was just sitting there standing, you know, like listening to us. Later on, I approached him, and I was like, so what do you think? And he's like, yeah, definitely, I need, we need to do that. And I was like, so what kind of ideas could we start? And he's like, well, it would be kind of cool to do something with VR, as far as like visualizing our city, what are these changes since, since we just switched to a new zoning, um, zoning regulations here in the district? It'd be interesting to see the the difference between before and after mm-hmm. with the new zoning. What what does it actually mean for our communities? And when he told me that, I was like, wow, mm-hmm. I was blown away because of the of my the possibilities. I was like, oh, we can do. You know, I was thinking SketchUp. You know, and he's like, no, we can, yeah, you could do, we could do SketchUp, but then we could do that in, you know, 3D modeling into VR. And I was just like, oh, this is exactly what we need to be doing. Mm -hmm. And, 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 you know, to say the least, um, this young guy is from a really low income community. In fact, where he lives is is almost going to be displaced. Hopefully not. If we can do something about it, but Mm -hmm. it, it tells you about the possibilities. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, uh, uh, speaking along those same lines, uh, there was something else that I found interesting that it's kind of like, I would say, halfway between the whole VR uh, model construction and the traditional CAD uh, construction uh, of uh, drawings, 2D or 3D, that that you and I are familiar, you know, the three of us are familiar with. Uh, There was something called Scratchy CAD, and I've (laughs) never heard of this, never seen it. You guys saw that? Yeah, Yeah, you were talking to him, yes. Yeah, Yeah, I was talking to him because I I found it kind of interesting and weird at the same time. And he was was asking me if I was familiar with with, uh, Scratch, Mm -hmm. which I am definitely not familiar with Scratch, but he was telling me that it's based on an MIT uh, modeling program where uh, you can basically model three make 3d models without the knowledge of of standard uh cad software or even programming and so uh it it builds on google's uh blocky i'm not sure if you guys are familiar with google's blocky Mm -hmm. and i'm not sure if it's still around and and i've never heard too much about i heard it about it when it first came out uh but uh i'm not i haven't heard anything about it recently so it builds on that same platform I guess Google gave it away as open source uh, mm-hmm. software, and so people have been building on it. But basically, it has a, a bunch of modules that you just plug in your numbers, and it automatically generates the model. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, you can build quite sophisticated models using the uh, the inputs for these different modules. If you wanted to do, for example, a sphere. Uh, encapsulated by a cube with rounded corners. You add all these modules to your model, 
So you don't really need to know how to use CAD. You don't need to mm -hmm. know how to use uh, 3D modeling software, like, for example, Inventor or SolidWorks or Rhino or any of those other uh, 3D modeling uh, uh, software packages, which uh, are non-intuitive is how I would des describe them. You, you can't just say, oh, I'm going to start making 3D models today mm -hmm. and, and expect to make them in those, those software packages because they're quite difficult and non-intuitive. This is the exact opposite. It is intuitive, very simple and easy to use. My only drawback was from it is that because you cannot manipulate things directly, uh, I think it would limit your uh, design options and your modeling <laughs> options, particularly for sophisticated models. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I, I think that the idea was to get people who have never made a 3D model up to the plate to at least start thinking about how things are put together uh, in the computer three-dimensionally for the purpose, this is, and I was teasing this out a little bit, for the purpose of being able to then take that model and take it to a 3D printer. Because mm -hmm. as you can attest, people who want to 3D print don't understand <laughs> that you have to go through the initial step of creating the model to 3D print. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, no, we ran into a bunch of people that don't realize that they just think, oh, 3D printer, okay, I can take anything and 3D print it then. Yeah. You know? They, was, they don't realize that first step that has to be done. Right. It was interesting though because I, I didn't get a chance to play with the, the software or anything. But seeing from the screen graph and seeing what other people did, it's hard for me because I mean we and, and bad for you even for all three of us because um, we've done so much three D modeling that their software almost looked non-intuitive to me <laughs> just because I'm used Correct. to the other way. <laughs> yes. You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I could see how for somebody that's never done 3D modeling, it would be easier for them to use. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, if you wanted to do a cube, you just punch in your numbers, boom, you have a cube. Right. You don't need to think about it that, that closely. And, and in that regard, it kind of bothers me a little bit because you don't have to think about it mm -hmm. as much as, you know, since we've done so much 2D and 3D um, uh, drawing and modeling, you really do have to think quite a bit of what you're doing. Right. Uh, and uh, so, so that one aspect, because it is so simple and easy, mm -hmm. it also means you don't have to think about it so much. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's the discussion we were having on the subway on the way back that I think we probably need to have maybe for a later episode of, you know, the, that, that is where a lot of this is moving towards making it easier for almost anybody to use and therefore simplifying things and taking certain functionality out because yeah. of that. So. Mm -hmm. Kind of like your the three D uh, what'd you call it again that three D virtual uh, virtual three D modeling what was the name of it gravity sketch yeah. gravity sketch yeah gravity yeah, sketch gravity sketch, gravity sketch. because yeah. all it is is with with movements of your hand right in a wand right. yes yeah. yeah yeah so you don't really need to understand how to build something three dimensionally hmm? yeah but scale comes into play now which is great <clears throat> automatically. Yeah, because you can you can you you can do something that you can you can build something in reference, something to, your in reference own. to your own body. Yeah. So that's to me that's really cool because yeah, it it, it makes it, it it forces you to think of scale hmm? as you're drawing. So yeah. um, the is? other the other thing that I really liked was the Radio Shack. Mm -hmm. So I had so much fun at National Affair with Radio Shack. Right, the soldering. It was the soldering, yes, because yeah. it was the oh, first I saw time them I did. There. Yeah. <laughs> and now they and, were doing. You know, I immediately thought about you. <laughs> right? Did you? <laughs> yeah, I saw them there. I'm like, oh, Claudia, where's Claudia? Yeah, that <laughs> video is still available on Facebook <laughs> if people want to watch Claudia soldering. 
it was just such a great experience. I think it was just because it was a sunny day and it was just like, yeah, I get to do something that I've never done before. Mm-hmm. Um, but Radio Shack is back, mm-hmm. you know, and it continues to be back. Right. <laughs> it's funny because people are like, yeah, for how long? And it's honestly, I think it's, it's hopefully going to stay. Um, but I really like what they did with um, this at, at the World Maker Fair in New York. They had to build a drone. Mm-hmm. And now there was a huge line, and we didn't get to see what the whole process was. Right. But yeah. um, the fact that they like decided to build a drone as mm-hmm. part of their display, uh, and to get people to to, to build a drone, to, yeah. yeah, like to do the and whole the, process. Oof. And the line was the longest line I've seen. Mm-hmm. Yep. Of any booth, that was the. I mean, it, there were hundreds of people in that line. Yeah, so I think it's I think it's really successful for them. Um, I know we went back to Radio Shack. Um, yeah, we've been to Radio we, Shack since. Yeah. Radio Shack is back, and we went back. <laughs> Radio Shack is back. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, so it was pretty this, cool. Yeah, which this gives me an idea for another episode. I think we'll we'll talk about Radio Shack some more. Um, I'm, that's what I was just writing down. I was getting an idea for an episode about about this. Um, but yeah, no, I. I, I wish we would have gotten a chance to build a drone <laughs> to see what it was all about. But yeah, I, I, I do like that they keep bringing this this sort of do do something there. They had the torch. Yeah. What was it? The, uh, oh, uh, uh, ben, Benzomatic? Uh, oh, yeah, no, no, you're talking about the burning true. wood. It, remember that there was also a line that Claudia was thinking about doing, and it was uh, how you could burn wood to make a, a craft, basically. Yeah. Yeah, so they had a, yeah, I forget what it was called. I Although it seemed to me like people just were really enjoying burning wood. Yeah. Yes, that, yeah. that's that's the reason why I wanted to do it. I really like and, the smell of it. Branding it, they had a brand too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was the booth by, uh, and actually it was a pretty big area, not just a booth. It, it was, uh, they had a pretty good size uh, tent, I say. Mm-hmm. It's not really a tent because it was outside, but they they, they were big. Mm-hmm. Uh, by, I think it was Benzomatic, and I think they make all those home sized torches that torches. people can get at the at the big box stores. Yeah. Yeah. I think I might have a couple uh, here in my uh, in my shop as well. Oh, perfect! You could bring it next time, and Claudia can uh, can burn some wood. So yeah, you know, Claudia, you you practiced soldering uh, last year mm-hmm. with uh, with wires. Uh, maybe I should teach you how to do soldering on copper pipes. Oh, wonderful copper! Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, as long as it's not lead, I'm I'm really happy with it. <laughs> yeah, actually, it's it's hard to find uh, lead solder now. Because of the the uh, codes and the health requirements, yeah. uh, most of the lead you buy for plumbing pipe, and I don't know if you guys know this, uh, is uh, it's silver based. It's mm. silver with yes. uh, with a little bit of tin. Yeah. I think it's like a ninety five percent silver, five percent tin. Uh, so it's uh, it's pretty safe. You don't have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. If you ever lived in an old house, a very old house, and you remember, you know, I remember the water tasted so much better in that old house of mine. <laughs> Um, and you, like, if you remember the house having like the tap water just being a little bit on the sweet side, <clears throat> that was probably lead solder that made it taste that way. Yeah, really good, <laughs> yummy stuff. Yeah, <laughs> and I've heard people say that, oh, my old house, the water was so much better, it was so much nicer. I don't like these new pipes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> Historically, people have loved the taste of, of lead. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, going back to the drum for a second. Because uh, one of the things they had here, which is a low light for me as far as Maker Fair, and it's twice in a row now, they had a drone raising. Yes. Which I love drones, so don't take me as a drone. I have I have a drone myself, 
I cannot stand the drone racing. I think it's the most boring <laughs> thing in the world. You're like, not the one flying. Yeah, yeah exactly. If you're not the one racing it. It's just so boring to watch. Like, <laughs> you're, you're like, you can barely see the drone because you're so far away. It just was not, it, it was not enjoyable. Um, so, so yeah, that I did not appreciate. Well, you know, it's funny. You mentioned the drone racing. I, I was not expecting to see that there. Mm-hmm. So uh, on the one hand, I was surprised, you know, pleasantly surprised. But then when you start looking at it, it, it to me it looked like professional teams. Oh, it definitely was, yeah. That that that's all they do is is probably the entire time they were there mm-hmm. is fly these drones, uh, and they were so focused on it. It to me it kind of takes the fun away mm-hmm. of being at a maker fair where where it kind of encourages everybody to do something. Right. Uh, this was really an activity for a select few, and I think right. that's where I would say that I wasn't particularly pleased with. Yeah, it, it was it was exactly that. It was a, expect, a spectator thing. Like, mm-hmm. come watch us rain straight to drones. And, you know, I have all the respect for these guys because it's not easy. They're not flying line of sight. They're using goggles and stuff. It's And these drones move at a great speed, but it's just not fun to watch. I'm sorry. It's just not. <laughs> I think, yeah, what was really fun is, like, at, so we're lucky because we live in D.C. and then they have the kite festival during... Mm-hmm. Um, the cherry blossom season, right. and they have a kite. Yeah, the kite fighting. The kite kite fighting, and that's yeah. so much fun to watch right. like because they're actually running around like the, yeah. the the people, and they are in teams as well. Mm-hmm. So and it gets really competitive. Right, that's the it's kite fighting. It's more fun fighting. to watch than to me. Yeah. Than now is that like probably. traditional kite fighting where they put yeah. like razor blades in the tails and they try to cut the strings? <laughs> no, yeah, they're trying to cut the strings. I don't know. If, I don't know if they're putting razor blades in the tail <laughs> yeah. here just because it's uh, a there's it's, people it's, around. <laughs> it's a kid activity, right? <laughs> yeah, you you don't remember seeing that as as a kid? People will put razor blades in the tails and deliberately try to destroy. Yeah, the other person don't get on my don't get on my space kind of thing. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure you would do that, but they're trying not to encourage violence. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, give me give me another one, Ray. What's another thing that was a highlight for you? Well, uh, one thing that I found interesting and uh, or a low light, by the way, a low light is cool too. If you didn't <laughs> like about it, it's fine as well. Yeah, well, one of the things that I found quite interesting was a was a product that I um, is just now uh, coming out uh, on the market. I think they're they're Kickstarter campaign is nearing completion, and I say Kickstarter. I'm not sure if it's Kickstarter, but their fund, their uh, crowdfunding campaign, I should say, uh, is a uh, um, an, a project called Shaper. And what it is, it is a cross between a router and a CNC milling machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can program it in with any particular shape you want. And if you've ever used a router, you know that if you don't put it on a on a guide to follow, or if you have you don't have a pilot mm-hmm. uh, bearing on there, the, it's going to go all over the place. Yeah. And so where they where they really have impressed me with this machine is that it has a quarter inch margin of error. That means that from your start point in any direction, you can be off the mark by a quarter inch, mm-hmm. uh, which is a half an inch total. So so keep that in mind. What it does is you have you can program you create a drawing and you program in a any shape you want to follow. Let's say it's letters, or a geometric pattern or, or design, and you want to either uh, carve out a space or a pocket or or you know go all the way through material, or or create a, a wooden sign or whatever. Once you program it in, uh, one button lowers the bit, and mm-hmm. the other button raises it on two separate handles. And you simply follow the screen. 
and you can imagine by hand you're not going to be able to do a good job. Right. Well, that quarter inch margin of error means that it adjusts. So as you are moving it, it is adjusting to follow the exact line that you programmed into it without you having to worry about how far off you're moving it. Hmm. Interesting. So it's quite impressive. It's actually quite a lot of technology uh, in your hands, and it, I think, would open up uh, a lot of makers or even backyard tinkers or woodworkers uh, their projects because it's going to give you a functionality that you can't, you don't otherwise have. Now, uh, I don't know what the pricing is, but uh, I picked up this coupon. I don't know if you see it right here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you look at it real close, it says a hundred. It doesn't come into focus, but yeah, it says a hundred dollars off. <laughs> <laughs> so what I did was, uh, and it has a website there. Yeah. So what I did is, uh, I belong to a, a special group that is by invitation only on on Facebook. Uh, I took a picture of this. And I posted it. <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, a couple of guys uh, said that they were looking into it and they were interested. And with $100 off, they were definitely uh, jumped on the opportunity. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm not sure if we, if you want to put that, I'll give you that information. You can put that in the notes if somebody's interested in this product. Yeah, Again, we're not affiliated with it. I just think that it's with a $100 mm -hmm. off deal, it's worth mentioning. Yeah, and now if they're giving $100 off, how much is it worth? I'm going to guess, if I had to guess, I'm... It's a nine hundred to a thousand dollar pool, okay. But I don't know for sure. Uh, I never asked about it. Yeah, no, we they definitely send me the information. We put a we put it in the show notes to uh, for somebody if they're interested, they can you know, get a hundred bucks off. That's that's quite yeah. a deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. What about you, Claudia? You got another? Um, we got a little bit of time still. We can get some more. Yeah, I mean, I like the fact that uh, like in indoors they had a bunch of makers yes. as well right like, mm. i don't think last time they had as many it didn't seem like it last time maybe we know. missed it but i think yeah. they had a bunch of uh the more crafty type makers right yes yeah. exactly and i think it was more i would call it crafty but also like it was all kinds of hmm? right it was also like um how it was mispronounced as bows right and then yeah. you know like you would think they were outside but you know because of the the sound mm -hmm. um, aspect of their of, of their of their product it was better to be done inside indoors and it was nice seeing um so as we were walking we bumped into um, Marta Ali yeah right and mm -hmm. she's from here from the the district from mm -hmm. the from the area and she's uh, from Ethiopia and she does this great designs mm -hmm. she uses a CNC machine to yeah. do the designs yeah. Yes, and it's and you know it was great seeing her new display too there and you know representing like the region I guess it was really cool. Yeah, and for people may may remember from Silver's no it was from National Maker Fair where we first met her. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so she she was there. She, we didn't see her there, but her stuff was there. She wasn't at the at the booth at the time. At the time, yeah, she's an architect, she's a designer, and she's um, uh, industrialist too. Yeah. Yeah. So it was really cool seeing mm -hmm. that. What else? What other things in there? Well, in that same area, one of the things that I was taken yeah. with was the, the wool. His name is Jackie Huang. And uh, if anybody's interested, it's, it's woolbuddy.com. So he's he does these little figures out of wool. It's a, the ones that you have to stab the wool to shape it. It's quite tedious work. <laughs> but he had a bunch of them that he had already done. And he would also sell you the kits so you could do it yourself. So it would just be the wool, and then he'd sell you the needles and everything. And uh, I wanted to get one. Somebody wasn't. Somebody wasn't hearing it. But uh, yeah, it was very cool. 
<laughs> always complains about me. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. <laughs> the other thing that I saw in there, which, you know, talking about people that we saw, that we've seen at other places, uh, the make crate people were at the oh, make yeah. fair. Oh, yeah, they're really cool with this. Yeah, so, you know, we've got a little bit of a relationship with them. We've we covered their product. We've, I've exchanged a few emails with them. So it was great to see them there. And it was great to hear, because I got a chance to talk to them, and they mentioned that, yeah, they're about to send out the first boxes. And the the turnout has been great as far as subscriptions. So they're very happy with how everything's going. So, mm. so it was great to see them there. Um, the other thing that I liked in that same area you were talking about is that I saw somebody similar in that they also sell, sell kits, but it's at a much lower, it's not somebody that is competing with Make Creek because they're a much lower level, a much lower level, a much lower price point, price point. whose name was Technicio, and they were still kits, but they were, they were sort of, there were still electronic parts to it, but it was like, you know, fold this origami shape and then put eyes on it that light up and things like that it was you know like make this little owl stuffed animal and the eyes the eyes light up or you know it flaps his wings or whatever so it was a way of doing it with low cost but be able to like their, their kits were all 22 dollars you know and huh. you could get that for any kind of income at that point you know mm-hmm. i thought that was great yeah it was some stuff that you could sew right there was sewing that yeah there was sewing paper folding there was a whole bunch <clears throat> of different um ways of working with their kits so. And you don't have to get, like, you can already do some of those things with what you have at home. Right. So, like, it could be an inspiration and mm-hmm. then do and something do else. Some yeah. Do some other, you know, like, some other work, mm-hmm. you know, just other crafting, I guess you could call it, or, like, tinkering. Yeah. Uh, and then get a, get some, get another, another one of the products, mm-hmm. do some more, and then get yeah. another one. And they had, like, 12 different kits, so they were pretty cool. They had, like, a little house that uh, you would make the house out of cardboard and then you would, when the doors swing open, that it would light up and stuff like that. It was pretty cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Huh, interesting. Mm-hmm. What about you, Ray? You got another one? Yeah, I've got one that, um, and I'm not sure if you see this one. This is another one of those uh, uh, marketing things that have been very successful. A company called Form Labs. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have yeah. a product called Form 2. Have you guys seen all these ads that pop up? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So uh, what this is, is a, a 3D printer of sorts, but it uses a, uh, a uh, method called stereolithography. And this kind of uh, technology has been around for industrial applications for 20 years now, but not to a scale where the average person can afford it. And I say, I say that loosely, average person, because uh, the unit is still $3,500. So, um, you know, it's a little bit on the high side, However, you are 3D printing in a liquid uh, pool mm-hmm. and you're activating it with a laser beam. I mean, this is quite a sophisticated yeah. uh, bit of printing. And uh, what it allows you to do is some things that even regular 3D printers can't do. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, of, one of the things that I'm not sure if you noticed, but you're actually printing everything upside down. Yeah, and, and at an angle, actually. Yeah, and so yeah. you don't have to really worry about gravity uh, being a problem having to put supporting structures inside your 3D print. And uh, what they had was, which is, I'm not sure if you got a good look at it, a little chess piece, a rook. Mm-hmm. And the rook had a spiral staircase inside, and down the center of it had a, a DNA helix. And this was all on the inside of the object, and they had a little slots cut in it so you can actually see them in there 
uh, and the the level of detail and resolution that they achieve with this is quite remarkable. And to think yeah. that this is a desktop unit available yeah. for thirty five hundred bucks, I was quite impressed with this uh, little bit of technology. And I think they are just now finishing also their uh, crowdfunding campaign so they can start uh, delivering to their customers. Uh, no, no, so that printer's actually been delivered. Oh, has it? Yeah, okay. and I, I know that because um, one, of the, one of the guys that I follow on YouTube bar- managed to borrow one because <laughs> ah. they're so, I mean, they're, they're expensive, they're not cheap. Yeah. And he's been sort of putting it through his face and showing what he can do because the, the resolution that you can get out of those printers is just amazing. Yes. Um, yeah. And actually, it's interesting because there was one other one like this. I don't know if you mm-hmm. saw that. Yeah, they were right next to each other. Yeah, they were right yeah. next to each other. So uh, mm-hmm. I'm not, I didn't, I didn't uh, get into too much detail with the other one. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't catch their full... I, they were, they were, there were a lot of people around there, so we weren't able to sort of spend too much time with them. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. No, I mean, if I mean, if you can get yourself and you can get a hold of one of these printers. They're definitely they let you do so many things. Size is an issue because you can only you can't print as large as some of the other printers. But yeah, the resolution that you can get out of this thing is it's amazing. Yeah, uh, right. yeah. You can't even tell that it was three D printed. Yeah, it looks yeah. like it was molded. Right. Yeah, <coughs> those parts were beautiful. Yeah, but I mean, it, that comes without a price. Exactly. Yeah. The industrial machines uh, that I've seen are about four, five, six times the size of this, mm-hmm. uh, but they are in hundreds of thousands of dollars. They're not, you know, this is well within the rate, what I would consider you know, reasonable. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. What about you, Claudia? Give me another one. Um, I guess the other one that it was interesting because I, when I'm, <clears throat> excuse me. One of my goals was to go and look at some of the fabrics that are being done through 3D printing. Mm-hmm. Um, so as I was walking around, I saw this dress and I was like, oh, this is great. This is going to be about fabrics. And it wasn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was Shapeways. And it was it's a company. And I know Ray also talked to them a little bit about them. So I'd love to hear what his point of view is. But um, it was hard understanding what they did at first. And even going through their website, it's kind of hard to understand. Yes, they don't, I had the same problem. They don't directly say, this is what we do. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, I, and now, once, you've, uh, once you wrap your head around it, you realize why they don't say that. Uh, and it's because they are mainly a factory. So they, they do, mar- it's a market company. So it's, it's basically a market. Mm-hmm. And also... A factory for people who don't have, who want to design something, but they don't have three D printers. Mm-hmm. They want to design um, jewelry. In this case, they you know they had a dress in mind that they wanted to design and wanted to three D print it with a specific pattern. Um, so there, they take care of the production. So that's why it's a factory, mm-hmm. right? And then they sell it as well. So. The designers, it's mainly it's mainly focused for designers. So it's like a marketplace for designers. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like Etsy, but you don't make your stuff. You, right. They make your they, stuff for they you. Print it for you. They so you printed can, it for you. You can model, print. you can do all the modeling and everything, even tell them about materials, and then they take care of all the... It's more like... Um, um, it's kind of like uh, those... What's the name of the book? Um, there's websites where you can sort of... You can sell your books... Right, you, if you want to, you can want self-publish. Mm. So oh, it's sort of that, it's yeah. that so sort of that idea where you upload the book and then they take care of all the publishing and the printing mm. individually one at a time. Shapeways is the same way, the same thing, right? And it's a community like Etsy because they also, 
each designer can have their own shop. Right. So they can they can also do the marketing on their own, right? Mm-hmm. And this is a place where where, the, um, where they hold stuff where they there. where the stuff is like featured, and then they can be sent out and printed, you so know, in mass. So it's almost like consignment. So it is almost like a consignment. Yeah. As a I matter of fact, I talked to him about that specific issue. Uh, according to uh, the gentleman I talked to, and uh, I have it here somewhere. I think it was uh, uh, Peter. I think it was Peter that. Uh, they have about 30,000 of those shops mm-hmm. on their website. And it's quite fascinating because if you go to any of those shops, you have no idea that Shapeways is the manufacturer. So it, it allows uh, young entrepreneurial designers to create a product without any overhead. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, for He used the example of, let's say you, you, you have a mug design that you want to produce. Well... Uh, there's no limit on to quantity. You can buy one, you can buy ten, you can buy a hundred. Doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So as a as a as an individual, you don't have to have an enormous amount of investment to start producing a product. And they would, uh, I think, they host these these uh, shops. You design what you want, and you sell it. The only caveat is that you have to sell it for more than they're charging. But of course, mm-hmm. <laughs> that makes sense. And so the way it works is that, let's say it's a, a mug, for example, and the mug, they charge you $10 for each one of those that they make. Uh, and then you can sell it for 12 or 15 And they handle the production. They handle the shipping to the customer. They handle returns. They handle, they handle customer service. So you, as the uh, young designer slash entrepreneur, uh, have actually very little invested in it. Mm-hmm. And quite a lot to gain. So even if you sell a mug and you make you know your typical twenty five percent profit on a ten dollar object is twelve dollars and fifty cents. So you have a two dollar two dollar and fifty cent profit, but you have had zero uh, uh, risk, zero investment, and zero in, uh, involvement other than the initial design, and of course marketing your own product in your store. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting model as far as business is concerned. But the other side that they that they do is that they do, um, and you, you mentioned that, they are basically a 3D print shop. And they will print 3D print anything you need, you want, ceramic, plastic, uh, gold, carbon fiber, it doesn't matter. They will 3D print whatever you need. They have an enormous uh, factory, like, like Claudia said, with all these printers in it. Uh, so you, if you, Jose, wanted to make, you know, 10 whatevers for whatever purpose you want you can contract with them they make it for you here you go and uh, they don't they won't produce it and try to sell it they're not interested in selling it they're interested in producing so I I thought it was quite quite interesting and you know the idea of drop shipping is not new Mm -hmm. Um, there's a lot of uh, companies that work on that model where people sell stuff and they've never even seen it they don't hold it in their hands the manufacturer ends up shipping it to the to the customer, so it's an interesting model. I, I yeah, definitely I think it's cool because it uh, it sort of frees up the designer to just be the designer. It's yes. Oh, there's one caveat. Mm-hmm. You don't even have to be a designer. Mm-hmm. They also hire designers for hire. So if you're a person and you wanted, you need some. You need. I wanted. I want plastic. You know, earrings. Three D printed earrings, but I really don't know how to design them. 
apparently they have designers for hire who work with a professional. You can actually work for, so you can have like, you know, you the maybe delivery. have an idea. Yeah. Right? You maybe have an idea and then you can also. But you have an idea for what? For Oh, no, you have an idea. You, you, you something don't that you want to do, do but you don't know how to do it. Okay. All right. yeah. So then you can hire a designer. Okay. So that's great because I think it's creating jobs in that, in that way. Mm-hmm. But I, I personally don't like the, the fact that it takes away the making movement mm-hmm. part of the process. It is part of the economy. Mm-hmm. So it's economizing, you know, the, the whole process and making it um, like it's it, it's industrializing the process, mm-hmm. you would say. But it's not, you know, you a person can completely, doesn't even have to even be like design your own, you know, like just have an yeah, idea like, and you, then have you, someone do it, someone ship it, someone sell it, and then you can say, "Oh, I designed it and I did this all and I sold it all." Right. <laughs> you know, and but it's, you like, know it, it's funny well, because did you really? <laughs> it's funny because a lot of stuff already works that way, and when you take it into the industry that we're all from, you know, architecture and construction, uh, you know, the client has the money and they have this idea of a building that they want to put in, and you know, the architect designs it and the engineer does the uh, the structural design and then the the mechanical engineer does the plumbing and the electrical and really the, the not, client isn't not, doing that much right but that's not really the same it's though the same as this because thing. this person's idea could be i want to have an online shop for earrings mm-hmm. but then they don't have any ideas to what they want the earrings to look like so they hire somebody and just design me seven pairs of earrings whatever you want and then i'm going to sell them why couldn't that designer just sell those seven pairs of earrings themselves I think it's I think it's com it's commodifying the entire process. Right. You know, and I and again, I really like the fact that they are hiring mm-hmm. designers. They're they're providing jobs for designers, which is mostly needed. This is something, you know, if you're a freelancer, mm-hmm. I yeah. like I, mm-hmm. I I'm thinking of getting my name on this thing. Right? Mm-hmm. This is great because you can do this on the side, right? Um yeah. so I think it's a great thing. It's just to me, it's like it's commodifying myself too, you know? But it's it, like, okay. You know what it is? It's it's that movie that I mentioned one of the earlier episodes that I saw, the Banks, Banksy movie that it was oh, Exit Banksy, Through yeah. the Gift mm-hmm. Shop. Um, it sort of covers this idea of like, at what point is art just becoming a business and then it's no longer really art and you're just sort of selling prints, you know? Like this yeah. guy had promised, in this movie, this guy promised a hundred individual prints for somebody. For the first 100 people that showed up to his show. So when it came down, they were like, oh shit, how do I do this? He put 100 prints down on the floor and was on a wheelchair. Somebody was spooling him and he would just like put a brush right through him. <laughs> and then put a brush through the other one. Because then they're all individuals. He was the same, started the same print and then he would just sort of randomly splatter paint and do different things to it. Like it's an individual print. Mm-hmm. It's, it's unique for everybody. Yeah. And you know, that's not the spirit of what <laughs> this is about. Yeah. Well, let me put it in another context. Um, you know, I have clients that come to me that want custom machines built. Mm-hmm. They they pay me to design and engineer a machine that I then that they pay me for the service, mm-hmm. and they also pay me for the for the actual building of the machine. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing both parts, but you know I don't run out and then go sell that machine, make ten more, and sell those machines to other people. Right. You know, they they've come to me to pay me for the design and to manufacture it, mm-hmm. and then that's it. I move on to the next one. Yeah, but that so, machine, they're using it to do something else. Yes, they are using it. They're hiring me to design and, mm-hmm. and engineer it, mm-hmm. 
and then also to build it. I'm doing, I'm doing both sides of that equation. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I design stuff and uh, it ends up because one thing or another happens and then it never gets built. Mm-hmm. They still pay me for the design. And then even we never build it because we don't have a need for it. Right. We could probably go through the effort of finding customers to buy it. But uh, to me, I, I don't know. I, I guess from, <laughs> from my point of view, they're, they're selling the service of design in addition to the service of manufacturing. See, but I think this would be more like if this client came to you and he was like, you know, I don't really know what I want to make yet. Can you not only design the machine, build the machine, but also sort of tell me what my business is going to be? Yeah, that's a different story, yeah. Right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And that's where it would be like, I don't really know what, what machine I want or for what, but why don't you come up with something I can make? And then you design the machine and make the machine for me. So then I guess I'm making that stuff and selling it. You wouldn't do that. You'd be like, no, come back when you have an idea. Exactly. And I wonder yeah. how many how many of those situations they, they encounter. Right. It'd be interesting to know. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be, uh, that would have been a good question to ask. So right. guess where Claudia is going to be applying to. <laughs> <laughs> interesting. All right. Well, um, because so obviously if you're going to design, you need to have something to start with. you got to know what, where you're starting. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But some people don't. <laughs> I ran into people like that. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, it's going to be annoying. So <laughs> one of the things that we that I found out when we were there, sort of, sort of, sort of an update on a product that we talked about last time we were there, is the Olo. I don't know if people remember the Olo. Oh, yeah. It was, it's sort of the 3D printer that worked with your... we covered that in one of your, our episodes. Yeah, it's a 3D printer that worked with your phone. Yeah. Mm. So they were there, and we almost didn't recognize them because they've changed their name. A so full rebranding, they call yeah, it. Yeah, full rebranding. Now they're known as Oh No, O-N-O. Oh No. Yeah, which is, you know, I mean, I like their other name better, but we didn't really get into the reason for their rebranding. But I just sort of wanted to throw that out there because, you know, if you've heard of them before and you've been thinking about buying it now that they're hitting the market and everything, you maybe can't find them. This is their new name is O-N-O. And they've redesigned their product, too, because yeah. it was conceptually it was similar Mm-hmm. But in design, it was completely different. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, when we were there looking at it, we were like, oh, this guy's straight up ripped off Olo. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and then come to find out it's the same guys. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, interesting. Um, You guys got anything else? Um, No, I mean, I, I guess the only other thing I would want to talk about is uh, a little bit of the, um, the sessions that they had. Mm-hmm. And Jose and I, I like, yeah, we're going to talk about something else, but Jose, atten- Jose and I attended on Sunday morning uh, a Makers for Change session. It was like a breakfast that they had. It was a conversation about um, uh, makers uh, for good or makers that do good, mm-hmm. you know, that use their, their product and their design and their ingenuity for, for the good. And um, it was sponsored by Infosys. Uh, foundation and um, it, I think this is like they basically started last year and they were part of the White House initiative of making mm-hmm. and um, they committed a million dollars to support makers across the US and they had um, so they're basically this they're funders right mm-hmm. for different types of um, organizations or makers or specific Groups that are doing that have already been doing work and maybe they want they want to take it to the next step. Um, it says like in their main website is that um, 
they're that you know their main role is to enable makers to share their stories they were they were talking about um uh st um stories right like uh, how do you to to be able to tell your story right storytelling yeah. um and that's their new their new facet they last year they had a um an event and it's called i think it's the infi makers and it's a found it's how it's an award that they provide to the makers themselves and um they had, I think, like five people yeah, or something like that. that yeah. That's a lot of price for each one. For each one, right? And um, yeah. and they're, they're really great. I mean, they had some people there that, that some of the makers that they provided the funding for. Um, but other than that, so... Well, just to be clear. Mm -hmm. So you're, whatever you're making or whatever your project is has to... Like, you can't be making a, a robot or a, a drone and it's a brand new drone that you're going to sell for to people. That would not qualify in this. It has to really help some kind of underprivileged people or something along those so lines. So the way that they say it is focus on bridging the digital divide in America by supporting high-quality computer science education and coding skills with a particular focus on underrepresented communities. Yeah. Uh, so there's, a, there's that focus on those underrepresented communities and using technology. Um, to mm. do so so and also crowd-based like it seemed like a lot of the products that were there they they did have they were open products open source, yeah. open source products which was really good mm. because then you can emulate the project and you know it's like basically on the common mm -hmm. common um, wiki or common goods mm -hmm. that you can have creative promise is what I was mm. trying to say but um what I really liked about the about the event is being able to talk to other people who are doing the, the who are doing the same thing, and you know there was a, a big focus on international uh, change makers. Mm -hmm. uh, there was even a session later on in the afternoon for international ma change makers, um, and you know I challenged people that you know a lot of the the these products that are being created to solve to solve problems. You know these, mm -hmm. these products that are being created to solve problems internationally, like Haiti, mm -hmm. or um, just throughout you know Africa and different places. We have those problems here in the United States, and they can easily be not maybe not easily, but actually maybe more, more easier easily than easier than you would because you yeah. ha we have a lot more mm -hmm. um, privilege here in the United States, so we can actually make those products more available. Yeah. Um, you know, we have just the fact that we have somewhat better internet. Mm -hmm. um, it's a broadband, so that even that in itself helps. So. You know, it's it's always good to challenge people in in, in mm. thinking that yeah, your solution is great, but it also can be applied here to the United States, and mm. we need to focus on that since this is Maker Fair for, mm. I guess because this was World Maker Fair that that was one of the, their intentions. But I met so many amazing people through it all, and I and uh, made great contacts, and also heard about Maker City, which I'll talk about it a little bit more later mm. on, hopefully. Yep. I need to learn more and read more about the book and and what is happening. Well, and we you talk to some people that are even looking at starting sort of a mini maker fair. Yes. And to the point where you might be even helping them sort of get that off the ground and yeah, so it'd be great to help to help some of these people. Maybe we can bring them bring some of their stories onto here so we can help them with what they're trying to do. Mm -hmm. So yeah, cool. All right, Ray, you have another one before we sort of wrap this part up. Um, I don't know if you want to cover the WASP uh, project there. Well, I mean, I think we should uh, 
So the plan had been that we would talk about them in the product of the week. Okay, that sounds good. So yeah, let's do the one thing I want to mention then right before right as we sort of end this section talking about the stuff we saw at Maker Fair was because we're going to talk about the Wasp who had a very large 3D printer. The largest 3D printer there though was by these guys called Simi CNC. Um, and they had a I mean this 3D printer was like I don't know two and a half story tall. Yeah, it was pretty big, at it least 15 feet. Yeah, and they had a resolution, not what you're used to seeing from a 3D printer because of the size of the, as the 3D printer scaled up, so did the resolution of it, you know, it was <laughs> yeah. quite a thick layer that it would put down, oh, yeah. but it was very impressive nonetheless, um, but they're a company that I had not heard of, they manufactured Delta 3D printers, so they had a couple other products there um, that I took a look at, so yeah, I mean, these guys seem to know what they're doing with their 3D printer, so if you're in the market for one, check them out. It's called CME CNC. And um, let's go into the product of the week, which is going to be a product that we talked that we saw here at Maker Fair. Unless anybody else has any closing comments for this for Maker Fair. No, I guess I that the only thing I would say is like next next year, right? Or yeah. and maybe even San Francisco. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> we could. But uh, the Bay Area. But no, I think it will be really cool to continue going to these. Make it first. I think mm-hmm. our presence is always good. <laughs> yeah, no, I think we want to try and attend as many as we can get to. Um, I know we had sort of briefly talked about maybe going to Pittsburgh, but uh, the timing I don't think is going to work out for that. Um, and uh, yeah, I think you know if people know of a Maker Fair that's in the East Coast, let us know about it. We'd love to try and make it to it. Or even mini maker fairs. Yeah, great because those are the yeah the local yeah. local. We'd even go to the, the I know they have the mini maker fairs. They have the Barnes and Noble maker fairs. Mm-hmm. We'd go to those too. <laughs> I didn't so. know they had those. Yeah, yeah. That's so the mini maker fair is like a like a very small sort of community based one, and then Barnes and Noble started doing the Barnes and Noble maker fairs, which are even I guess smaller, and they do them in the stores. So. Uh huh. Yeah, I've only heard of the one here in the in the DC area. Um, we couldn't attend it. I, I I heard of it like the day of or whatever. But yeah, you know, keep an eye out for the Barnes and Noble Maker Fair even. So, so okay, cool. Then do you have anything in the closing before we move on to the product of the week, right? Uh no, not at all. Yeah. All right, cool. So let's go into the product of the week and yeah, attend the Maker Fair. All right, so keeping in topic with Maker Fair, this week's product of the week is one that we saw at Maker Fair and uh, sort of caught our eyes right away. And uh, actually, Ray, you got a chance to interview the CEO. The uh, he is uh, his name is David Neri, uh, head of marketing. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So let's let's do this. Let's. Well, let's briefly say, so it's, the product is called the WASP, W-A-S-P, which stands for World Advanced Saving Project. Um, but before we get too much into what, what uh, we thought, what we thought of it, and let's just say they make Delta printers, Delta 3D printers, um, let's let Davide yes. sort of tell us a little bit about it and let's play that interview. Okay, this 
is Ray Pena, and I'm here with Davide Neri of Wasp Project. Uh, we're here at the booth where they have some impressive 3D printing uh, models on display and working. And i got to tell you, this is the largest hexapod 3D printer that I've seen. Uh, and I find out that you guys even make a bigger one. Can you tell us a little bit about your project and your company? Yes. Uh, thank you for interviewing me. My name is Davide Neri, as you said. Uh, I am in charge of marketing and international sales for WASP, an Italian manufacturer of 3D printers. We are pleased to be here at the Maker Fair in New York, displaying our project, the Maker Economy project, that includes the Delta 3MT, that is a multi-tool 3D printer. Here we are displaying the version that can print PLA in grains, in pellet, and the machine comes with two other tools that can be changed in order to make the machine even more versatile. One is for uh, milling, another one is uh, for extruding uh, liquid dense, uh, fluid dense materials, uh, like for example concrete or uh, for example uh, clay and, uh, and mud. Uh, very interesting. So there's been a lot of push right now in 3D printing of homes using exactly that. We're talking about uh, mud and cement. Do you guys currently have a product that will offer that to to potential makers? Yes. We have uh, developed, already developed, a, a big Delta Wasp 12 meter tall. That is uh, the biggest version of our machine that we are displaying here in New York that can print mud. We are printing more mostly with mud and natural materials like straw, for example. And we have already printed a huge, uh, a huge, a huge building made of clay and straw that is three meters tall. And uh, our goal is to display, to present, to launch the Maker Economy Starter Kit that is the overall concept on which we are working in order to develop scaled-up Delta Wasp 3D printer to uh, build, to 3D print low-cost houses and all what is needed for a self-sufficient economy. Very interesting. And uh, for our listeners who may not be familiar, uh, when David says 12 meters, that's about 36, 37 feet. That is a very tall printer. Uh, what is the footprint on something like that? The, the, the printable area. Yes, the printable area. Uh, the machine is, as we said, 12 meters tall, and the diameter of the machine is 6 meters. So the machine can print uh, a, a volume that is uh, about uh, five meter in terms of diameter and uh, let's say six meter in terms of height. That's uh, that's quite a bit. Uh, I'm, I'm quite impressed. And um, I, you don't have the biggest one here. I'm, I'm guessing it's just a little bit too difficult logistically to bring that over. Uh, and in case uh, we didn't cover it before, your company's based out of Italy. Yes, exactly. We are based in Italy. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about this model of uh, that you have for the maker economy? Yes. Uh, uh, we we are presenting and uh, promoting the maker economy. The maker economy is a new economic model based on self-production. So we believe that uh, everyone can take advantage of the technology in order to self-craft, self-manufacture, self-made uh, different staff. We think that uh, one of them could be a low-cost uh, house, for example, made of natural materials that can be found in place, but also uh, 
someone can uh, self-made uh, 3D print, uh, for example, the furniture, uh, something related to the to the work, uh, something related to health, uh, because uh, the the needs in terms of uh, what we think uh, the maker economy can uh, can solve are are plenty. Fantastic. And uh, I guess the last thing that our in, that our listeners will be interested in is how could they get a hold of you and possibly order one of your products? It's uh, it's easy. Uh, we can uh, be uh, reached uh, on our uh, website. Uh, uh, www.wasproject.it or uh, we can uh, and then we can uh, direct you to our resellers here in North America. So you have a current distributorship in the United States? Yes, exactly. Excellent. Exactly. So we want to give full support in terms of pre-sales and after-sales activities to our prospects and customers here in North America as well. Yes. And the after-sales is very important uh, for our listeners who may not be familiar with 3D printing technology. There is a lot of uh, other things that are necessary other than a machine, including filaments, uh, nozzles, heads, all the other things that are necessary to keep your machine operating and, uh, and functioning properly. Absolutely. And we believe, we are very committed in terms of pre-sales activities as well, because we think that uh, the technology is, over, is, is out there. But uh, uh, to allow the 3D printing becomes uh, uh, mainstream, we have to increase the average level of knowledge of people. So we think that also educational activities in terms of 3D modeling, slicing, knowledge of materials, not just plastic polymers, but also uh, fluid-dense materials like porcelain, like clay, uh, need to be, to be explained and people need to know much more about them. Uh, as well as it's important, as you said, to provide the customers also materials, consumables, whatever. Excellent. David, I know you're busy. I can see there's a lot of people at your booth. It must be very exciting. Um, but I do thank you for taking the time. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Mine too. I think that so, uh, yeah, there you guys have it straight from David's mouth. <laughs> um, but let's sort of talk a little bit about what we saw from, from this, uh, this company. Yeah, um, by far they had the the most interesting and largest general selection of yeah. commercially available 3D printers, mm-hmm. uh, the Delta the Delta type printers. Uh, they they had on display at least three different models, and I think they mm-hmm. make five or six. They yeah they make five I believe five. Yeah. The largest of which is the the 12 meter. Yeah, right. The 12, 12 meter 3D, 3D printer. printer. That basically will print an area of six meter, uh, a six meter diameter circle. <laughs> Quite an impressive. And I took a look at the website. It is m- massive. I mean, it sounds big, but mm-hmm. but it's bigger than it sounds. Right. Yeah. And well, for any, anybody for reference, if you're in the United States, so every meter has about three about three feet. Yes, yeah, three foot three yeah. inches. Yeah. Yeah. So when you do that math, you're talking about a thirty-six foot tall printer, 3D printer. <laughs> that's that's gets enormous. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and actually you would never believe what that one costs, the biggest one they make. Did, oh, I didn't there? check. I, I didn't I didn't check. I, I asked him directly. Mm-hmm. That yeah. big one is twenty five thousand dollars. That's not Quite, that bad. It is not bad, no. Yeah. But if it's anything what we've seen, the bigger the printers get, the uh, the lower the resolution becomes. 
so I don't know. I, I, I didn't see any examples right. of anything printed on the biggest one. But the one that we did see that was printed there, right. uh, the resolution was quite impressive. Not, mm-hmm. not fantastic yeah. by 3D printing standards, but the best we've seen, especially when you compare it to the one we saw by the, uh, the other uh, company that we saw there. Right. Yeah, the, the 3MT was the one that they had there. Yeah. And, yeah, the resolution was very impressive. You're right. It's not the resolution that you're getting out of, say, the, um, the Formlab printer by any means. No. But it was quite impressive for a printer that big because you can print. I mean, they had printed a chair. <laughs> they had printed a oh, whole yeah. chair. Yeah, yeah, they had a whole chair printer. That's right. Yeah. And really, and it, was, it didn't look bad. It really didn't no, look bad. No, not really, not at all. And uh, I mean, let, but to be fair to the CME CNC guys, that that large three printer they had there was just sort of a for show thing. Yeah, this is demo. an actual product that they're right. that they're selling. Um, so yeah, but no, the, I, I was quite impressed by this. Well, the the dragon they had on display, mm-hmm. um, which was printed on the ne- I think the next size down from that yeah. one. Yeah, uh, that was. Beautifully done, mm-hmm. great resolution, yeah. uh, and I was I was impressed with the level of detail they were able to achieve. And the next one down, I think, is six foot tall. I think mm-hmm. that's about six foot tall. Yeah, yeah. I think they yeah. call it the forty seventy. As I think what they call it. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, um, and one of their smaller printers, you can actually change the material that it prints with. It'll even print with like a clay based. Yes. Uh, filament. Yep. Yeah. That you can then fire. Right. Yeah. So, uh, and if you go to the website, um, which is uh, wasproject.it, so W-A-S-P-R-O-J-E-C-T.it, we'll have the, uh, that in the show notes. Uh, they have a beautifully done website. It's a little bit on the slow side, um, uh, but, it, you know, it is in Italy. Mm. Uh, but uh, to, it'll give you an impressive, uh, I, an idea of, of the level of, materials that they can use and the the size of the printers that they have uh, and their full range and uh, I'd like to take this time to say yeah we are not affiliated with them in any way uh, no. like every other project that we uh, other product that we mentioned but they are they are definitely worth mentioning yeah, yeah. and if they would love to, they would like to send us a 3d printer to try out we, yes no, we, we would not send that back yeah, if they want to send us the 12 meter one yes uh, I'd be happy to <laughs> <laughs> to put that through its paces. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I, we don't have the space. <laughs> yeah, but the 12 meter one can go. They, they should just send us, which it's actually worth mentioning. So they have a, a package where they send a container, right? And yes. it includes every printer they make. Yes. Including the 12 really? meter one. Yes. And it includes like two of the smaller ones, like yes. two each of the two smallest ones. Yeah. Um, so they'll ship your container with all of their printers in it. Um, yeah. Wow. Not clear as to who that's for. Um, yeah, I was wondering if it's maybe somebody who's interested in setting up a complete print shop to handle right. full-scale printing from little to, to lo- small to large. Shapeways. Uh, I, I guess, <laughs> but, you know, there's already a Shapeways. I don't want to sit set up my own Shapeways. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm not completely clear who that's for. It's very cool. I mean, I guess if you're setting up a maker space and you want all three of these printers, you could go that way. But uh, um, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, and I, I struggle to think of where. <laughs> where. I mean, it's hard to, to even think of what you would use the the 
the 12 meter printer for yeah but. i think they have it on their website they were using it for clay and straw mm -hmm. building modules yeah uh, so it was i guess like single room huts is the best way to describe it mm -hmm. so, yeah there you go yeah that, yeah yeah so i mean maybe if you know it's funny because when we were at the at the makers for change one of the one of the groups that spoke was how they would set up maker spaces in places in third world places or whatnot um global south i, I apologize <laughs> global right. south places um, global what now Global, Global South. South or Developing World. Global South? Yes. As in North South, Global South? Yeah, we, yes. Okay, I've never heard that. Well, it exists. It's a new term. It's an international new term for taking away the, the term Third World, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, um, categories. Well, anyways, <laughs> like I could see somebody... I could see this sort of containers being shipped to places like that so they could have these devices and be able to rebuild. You know, yeah, that would be, yeah that's would be a potential. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I see it as something like the Smithsonian could buy, you know, when they want to do any of their big exhibits and they need to print, 3D print a, I don't know, like, is this Smithsonian? Pocahontas. Is this Smithsonian in that business? I would think the Smithsonians get their. They have specific museum for exhibit. Prototyping, you know, yeah. for prototyping that that. And like, and let's something. face it, the Smithsonian is more in the business of letting other people do work, <laughs> and then just putting it on display. I don't. I, I think you're you're asking them to do too much. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think they make their own their own stuff because no. they're collecting. They're they're making collections. Correct. Uh, yeah. No, that they also do research. You know that, right? Yeah, but yeah, but they're not making stuff. But they they well, can I mean, replicate. That's true. Let's things, not get into right? the discussion about what this Smithsonian does. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to talk watch, about what. Watch, watch us get like a, yeah. a letter from someone from who works in the yeah, in the in the maker so space awesome. from from Smithsonian and tells us. Well, you know what? If that's the case, that I would love to. I would love to hear because I don't know of any of that, <laughs> and I would love to come check it out. Oh, you know, I got a Smithsonian story. I don't know if I told you guys about it. No. The Smithsonian uh, History of Natural Museum. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the, yeah. Museum of Natural History. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Get it all out in one, one sitting. Uh, so, you know the butterfly cases I do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I went in there to, to, to speak to someone, and they gave me a number, and I, I called, and this and that. And, uh, you know, I make the cases with, uh, with butterflies displayed uh, inside, and this was just before their butterfly uh, exhibit was coming online. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm not sure if they're still there or not, their, uh, the butterfly exhibit. You know, I haven't, yeah. I haven't been there in a while, but I think so. It yeah. was a few years ago. It's a room, right? The butterfly yeah, room. it's, yeah. 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 So, uh, I, you know, the butterfly cases that I make, uh, you know, say, well, you know, this is an opportunity if uh, I could get it in the gift shop. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, I talked to a few people, and by the time I, I talked to somebody who's in the position of making a decision, and you will not believe this, these were the exact words. I, I gave her my spiel, and she says, no, we can't have any natural products. Uh, I said, well, there is jewelry there now that use butterfly wings in them. Mm -hmm. So there are already natural products in there. Mm -hmm. And in fact, it's the exact, a piece of the exact same natural product that I'm proposing. Mm -hmm. And she said to me, and I don't remember her name, she said, it is, uh, 
it is not in the it is not uh, uh, possible through the dictatorship of the Smithsonian Museum. <laughs> Her exact words were the dictatorship of the Smithsonian Museum, and I'm like, it's a dictatorship. She says yes, and I'm like, well, that, I guess that answers that. There's no reason to continue this conversation. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but going back to the wasp, though. Yeah, back to the wasp. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think from what we've seen from the company, it seems like a very good 3D printer. Yeah. Not for not necessarily for the consumer. It's a more expensive 3D printer. Yeah. But um, yeah. But high I, quality. I would say I love the quality of the product. Yeah, absolutely. I love the the quality of the prints and the, the products look well put together. So. And I hope you guys enjoyed the interview with Davide. So, cool. All right, we'll move on to what are we working on? Yeah. All right, so what's everybody working on this week? Claudia? Right, I'll start. <laughs> okay. Uh, because while we were at... Maker Fair, I took a bunch of photographs of the different uh, things that we've talked about here, some of the different products and whatnot. So I'm, I've developed all the photos and I'm putting them up. By the time this goes out, I should have a uh, uh, a blog on my website out about the different fo- all the photos. Well, maybe not all of them, but a lot of the photos from Maker Fair. And then what I might do is put together a video where I can put all of them because it's easier to see them that way than it is to scroll endlessly through a blog post. So Yeah. I also shot some videos, so maybe I'll put some video in there as well. Well, for me, I would definitely... Um, I'm, I need to get back to all of the contacts that I made in uh, at the Makers for Change um, session. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, just see where, or, you know, how we can start being more inclusive in the Maker Fair movement and process specifically maker fair so that you know we can do these how to make these maker fairs at the at the community level mm-hmm. and um and talk about accessibility and um and see you know like also like promotion within the latino community within other communities as well immigrant communities so that the the impact of this particular world maker fair 2016 will resonate, you know, will continue. It's it, that it won't just end at us going over there or at anybody, you know, like the hundreds and hundreds of people that went over there so that it can continue from that. Um, so I will do that for sure. And then like update our, our website as well. Work on that. So I'll keep everyone posted. Cool. You, Interesting. Ray? Well, um, what I'm working on now is uh, my YouTube channel is about to hit 3,000 subscribers. And yeah, nice. I thought, you know what? Might be interesting to do a giveaway, mm-hmm. a, a uh, 3,000 subscriber giveaway. So what I am thinking of is giving away one of my tools. Yeah, yeah giving away one of my tools. It's actually a very good tool. Uh, I'm not going to give it away here on the podcast. Oh, you don't want to? You, 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 have you said yet what it is, or you haven't said? What no, it is? no. I, uh, I, the the video is going to come out in on Thursday. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make the video and I'm going to uh, have it. And I think it's so hard is you don't know who is watching your videos and you don't know who's mm-hmm. subscribing. So what I think I'm going to do is just have people uh, 
put a comment in the uh, in the comment section of the video. Mm-hmm. It of course will will include anybody who puts a comment. So mm-hmm. uh, even if you're already a subscriber, there's no way for me to tell. So right. I think it, it'll just I'll get everybody's name and mm-hmm. I will put it in a uh, in a random uh, hat and I will just pick the first one that comes out and that's that's who will get my uh, my tool. So it's a great tool. It's actually an old tool mm-hmm. that is unbelievably powerful. So and it works great. The problem, of course, is the more you use it, it's like a needful. I call it my needful things tool, hmm. because it works so good that it makes you want to use it. The problem is the more you use it, it, it vibrates so much that it makes your hands go numb. <laughs> so I use it and I love using it, but you, I can only use it for a little, uh, you know, little bursts of time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm assuming this is a tool that you have multiple of. Uh, yeah, I have more than one. Okay, uh, and I really like this one. Because mm. it's so powerful, uh, but uh, it's one of those things. I, I got it at a yard sale and it wasn't working, so I put mm. a new cord on it and I cleaned the contacts. I got it from from completely dead to to running, and uh, of course it's like a double edged sword. I got this thing running, and now <laughs> every time I use it, it makes my hands go numb. So <laughs> all right, that's very cool. So um, yeah, I think it'll be interesting, uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, I'll put up the video on Thursday. Yeah, okay, well, no, but so here's the good thing. So anybody that's interested in getting this, they should check that out. We always put a link to Ray's uh, YouTube channel on the on the notes. Um, but don't just go comment on the, sh- on the, <laughs> on the video. <laughs> go subscribe and then comment on the video. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? If anybody wants to email in and try and guess, you say, you're saying Thursday is when you... Yes, you Thursday. announce what the tool is. Yeah, and I usually put that video up around noon, one o'clock. So, if they want, yeah, yeah that's a good idea. If somebody wants to guess at what it is, right? Because this podcast should go live Wednesday morning. Okay. So, if anybody wants to guess between Wednesday morning and Thursday morning, basically, right? Yes. Go ahead and send the emails and guess, and uh, and if anybody guess, maybe we'll give them something else. <laughs> yeah. How about that? We'll figure something out to, to give away for, for the correct guess, which I doubt because it's very vague. Hints. It's so vague, yeah. Uh, you know that it's handheld. You know that it's old. And that uh, it vibrates. And that it vibrates, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. cool. And it is, a, it is a woodworking tool. Let me let me get a little bit more. <laughs> yes, I was elaborate. <laughs> All right. I was hoping you would clarify that. Yeah. All right, cool. No, I like it. So, yeah, if anybody thinks they know what it is, Email in and, and get with your guess. Yeah. Cool. And then check out that video on Thursday morning or afternoon. Yes. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Very good. Yeah. All right, well, I mean, I think that's uh, that's the show for the week. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening. I think it's been it's been a busy last two weeks with Silver Spring Maker Fair last week and now World Maker Fair this week. So I think unless something comes up, we are pretty much done with... Make a first season for the year. I don't think we have. We don't really have any current plans to go to any others. Um, you know, I guess if somebody knows of something coming up and it's within range of the D.C., Delaware, East Coast area, yeah, we'd be willing to go. Mm-hmm. You know, let us know. But I think for large part, it's been a good year for Make a Fair. Yeah. 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 yeah our presence has yeah. definitely been been shared and we went there yeah and it's been great to meet all the different people that both have listened to the show and we've developed a relationship with so Mm -hmm. 
we look forward to keeping that up as other makeupers come up. Yeah. Great. Okay, right, right. thanks everybody for listening. Yeah. And we'll be back next week. I'm not sure what the topic's going to be. We might talk about that right now before before we go on our way. You know, it may be like Smithsonian contacting us and <laughs> yeah. being very upset at, yeah. at all of our comments. Yeah, I, <laughs> hope, I hope they do contact me. I'm fearful for them. Yeah. The dictatorship yeah. will yeah. call. It might be a dictatorship of the Smithsonian, yeah. It might be a 30-minute apology to Smithsonian. <laughs> all right. Exactly. We apologize ahead of time. I'm so sorry. <laughs> all right. Thanks, everybody. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.